When I was first working on the concept for this new podcast, Whole Life Organized, I had two things in mind. First, I wanted to help you calm the everyday chaos. And two, I wanted to help you manage your time and your energy and your attention with ease. I wanted to offer a fresh perspective on time management and time saving. Because the thing is, I'm no stranger to chaos. I don't sit in the ivory tower making recommendations on how to manage your time when you have four assistants and someone at home doing all the domestic work. But I should have known that as soon as the words calm the chaos came out of my mouth, chaos was going to ensue. And that's exactly what happened. As the year began and this podcast was about to launch, myself personally, our family and our community was hit with a series of chaotic events. But this is why I do what I do because it's, you know, it can be kind of easy to follow your routines, to manage your time, to have happy, healthy habits when everything is going according to plan. It's a lot harder to do it when nothing's going according to plan. And frankly, most of the advice out there is about what to do when things are perfect. And you know what? I don't want us waiting for perfect. Hi, I'm Robin Conley Downs. I'm a health and happiness habits expert. And this is Whole Life Organized. By the end of this episode, you'll have one new way to think about routines and some simple, specific ideas to help you find calm in the chaos, even on the most chaotic days. Okay, let's rewind to the beginning of the year and that sort of January new year, new you energy. I actually have, I have like a a love for the time of year when things are fresh and new. Uh, I've talked before about the fresh start effect, which is coming out of the research from Katie Milkman, who does research on change. And she talks about how the turn of the year or big transitions can actually be a great time to start something new or to create change. But I personally find the pressure of January to be somewhat difficult for people. And also just the specifics of January make it logistically one of the harder times to create new habits or set goals or to start something new. I mean, if you live in the northern part of the northern hemisphere, January is typically one of the coldest, darkest months. Like you have the least amount of light to work with. You have the least amount of access to safely being outside. You have the mental letdown of the holidays and the, you know, sometimes joy and fun that can come with it. Not for everyone, but sometimes the joy and fun of the holiday, the literal light that might be in your house from little twinkle lights. And then all of a sudden you take it down. It's just depressing. It's dark. And then let's not forget that it's one of the heights of cold and flu season. It's just sort of, to me, a really challenging time to want to make big changes. However, as a culture, we definitely put a lot of emphasis on this time of year. And because of that, we decided to launch this particular show, which is on calming the chaos and finding ease with time management and time-saving practices in January because we wanted it to be available for people who had that new change growth mindset coming into the new year. And as I do, I had my time well organized so that we had everything done for January 
by mid-December. So everything for my food website, realfoodwholelife.com, was ready to go. Scheduled, it was pristine and it was ready. We had all four of the first podcast episodes recorded, edited, and uploaded. We had newsletters edited and scheduled. Like I was feeling really good about where we were at going into the new year. And then on December 26th, my daughter started complaining that she didn't feel good. And I thought, oh, well, maybe it's the letdown of the holiday and she's exhausted. And then the next day she started feeling worse. And then the next day, my spouse started complaining that he wasn't feeling well. And within four days, they were both down for the count. And it was not a light little cold. It was the flu. Yes, we tested for the other virus. It was actually the it was the flu, like the influenza flu that is the kind of sickness that you're not, you're not like working from your bed. You're down on your back with your eyes closed, just miserable and hoping that you can find a few hours of sleep. And miraculously, or so I thought, I didn't get sick. So I thought, oh, maybe I've had this before. I don't know, maybe have some kind of special immunity. And I just canceled all our plans and made sure I was taking care of them. I was the only able-bodied person in the house, so I was taking care of them, making sure they had what they needed. But it was definitely throwing us out of our routine because I share quite a I share the responsibility of running our home and our lives with my spouse. And uh he was absolutely not helpful. <laughs> and then the extra care of him and my daughter was starting to pull me out of my routine. And I thought, well, that's fine. You know, this is temporary. I'm just going to make sure that they are taken care of, that they can get as like better as fast as possible. Hopefully by the time school starts, we're going to be fine. Well, famous last words, right? Like eight, nine days after they got sick, I started feeling bad and I knew it was coming. And I was pretty concerned because I could see that I was going to get so sick that I wasn't going to be able to work for a number of days. So I kind of like surrounded the wagons and I tried to take one more meeting and get some notes off to my team. Like, okay, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to be available. Like, let's just try to keep the ball rolling and let's do the best that we can. And yes, I did get really, really, really sick and was out of commission, couldn't do anything, couldn't work, certainly couldn't work out. And now we're on week almost two and a half of completely being out of our normal routines. For me, my personal, my health, my work, our family routines and rhythms were just wiped off the face of the the earth. And we were in full-on survival mode. I was able to creep, like almost crawl on my hands and knees to my day planner and like cross everything off that I had planned for the week. And I just accepted it, leaned in, relax, try to get some rest, don't try to do anything and just try to heal. Uh, missed my birthday weekend and just felt like, you know, January was not off to a good start. And then I was just starting to feel better when Portland, Oregon, where we live, got hit with this massive winter storm, like much of the country actually at the time. Our particular neighborhood got hit strangely kind of hardest we had high winds, we had icing, we had sub-freezing temperatures for days. And the morning 
the first morning of the storm, I've never heard winds like it. I saw our neighbor's shingles getting ripped off their roofs and trees started coming down and our power went out. So I luckily had somewhere to take myself. Um, Andrew was out of town, so it was just me and Ellen. I sort of evacuated under emergency and found, uh, went to my parents. So we were incredibly lucky, had somewhere to stay. And our power proceeded to stay out for seven days. It, meanwhile, Portland was in complete chaos. We had ice and we had snow and we had wind and we had power outages and we had trees down and school got canceled day after day after day. I actually had some bad flashbacks to the beginning of the pandemic where the bad news just kept coming and things were not getting better and school kept getting canceled. But this time I knew it was temporary. This is not going to last forever. And this time I really just took my foot completely off the gas. I leaned in. I didn't try to get work done. I just tried to be there for my my tween who really, you know, was having a hard time with all of it. I didn't try to get work done. I wasn't feeling well. It was an actual like emergency. And so we just slid all the way out of our daily routines and rhythms. And we were in this like white space where time moves slowly and quickly, where nothing is getting done, where really we were just in survival mode. And you know what? I'm not a stranger to survival mode. I feel like I just went through it last year when we moved. I could name many, many times in the last few years where that's been kind of my everyday experience. And maybe you are thriving at the beginning of the year or whatever time of year you're listening to this episode. But I know many of you are going through something, whether it's a move, a new family member, illness, the death of a family member, the death of a pet, like I could go on and on about the messages that are in my DMs every day. We are going through things. And when we're in that survival mode, sometimes it's okay to just take the take your foot off the gas to let everything go that you possibly can and just survive. We don't need to optimize our time every single second of every single day. Sometimes the very best thing is to recognize that you are in a survival situation and to accept that as best you can and to not push yourself and then beat yourself up for what's not getting done and what you're not accomplishing. But during this last several weeks of unintentional time off, and I would not call it a vacation because it was not a vacation, but definitely unintentional multiple weeks, quote unquote, off of not engaging in my normal life, I had some time to reflect and I had two realizations or rememberings. I mean, these are things I already know. But the first was, when you're in an emergency or when you're in survival mode, it's okay to be in that moment. It's okay to not try to start something new or set goals or optimize everything. There's a time and a place for being in the season. And if that season is survival, that's okay. But the second realization really had to do with the value and the beauty and the absolute essential nature that routines and rhythms have in my life. And that is what I want to talk about in this episode, because I want to help you shift how you're thinking about routines, because I know many of us are making a mistake when we think about routines. And then I want to offer some simple strategies to help you create routines that are supportive of you in your life. And whether that's a lifeline out of survival mode, because I do believe as someone who is an expert on the chaos and survival mode, 
that the lifeline out, the first step out is creating routines. But even if you're not, I hope for you that that's not what you're at. I hope for you, your life is sort of in a regular mode. Routines are a key to moving toward the goals that you have for yourself or moving from where you are to where you want to be to help you when you know how you feel and how you want to feel and that gap in between. It is literally the stepping stones to get there. So first, I want you to think about the word routine and I want you to think about what that brings up for you. And if you're a journaler, you could journal on this. If you're a verbal processor like I am, you could talk to somebody about it. Um, if you're alone in your in your podcast world right now, I just want you to reflect. When I say routines, what comes up for you? Because this is a really important place to start when we're going to talk about routines. It's actually how you're approaching them, how you're thinking about them, how you feel about them. It's a step, actually, I think that gets often skipped when we say like, create the morning routine or create an evening routine. Let's rewind and actually think about how you feel about the even the concept of routines. And I'll tell you, this has been a big surprise to me. I've been teaching health and happiness habits for 10 years in one way or another, really longer. You could go back to 20 years if you go all the way through my career. Um, but it surprises me to know, and I'm not surprised anymore, but I will say when I first started coaching, teaching, writing, I was surprised about the resistance that people have about the even the word routine. And maybe you love it and maybe it doesn't bother you. But I would say for the rest of you who have some kind of feelings that aren't great... Let me just tell you that in my experience, you're not alone. I would say more people, and this is not scientific. I haven't done any studies. This is anecdotal. I'm just working with people and talking with people. I would say more people than not have bad connotations, bad feelings toward the word routine, toward the idea of routines in their lives. So again, this is not scientific, but it's based on my observations. I think there's a couple of reasons for these feelings. So if this is you, again, you're not alone. But I think for a lot of people, the word routine, the idea of routine is restrictive. It feels restrictive. It feels like something that you have to do that you know you should do, right? The word should is always for me a big red flag. If it's a should, not a good, we know that that's going to not go well for change, for creating habits. It feels uh, very structured and something you have to contort yourself to fit versus it fitting you Maybe another way that something you've tried and like felt like you failed and so you don't want to even deal with it because it makes you feel unsuccessful. And maybe if if restrictive is too strong of a word, rigidity is the right word. Rigid, like unbending, that it's it's set in stone and that you have to do it and you have to check the box and it exists with not with you in mind. So it's there and you have to fit yourself in and then you don't fit it in, into that routine or and then you're the problem, you failed. I think another camp of people who don't love the word routine is the same kind of people who are allergic to the word optimize. Maybe they've just had enough of productivity bro culture on the internet of like optimize every second of your life and plan everything and, and crush your days and hour-long morning routines. I've actually seen people um, in my space on Instagram claiming with pride that they don't have a morning routine. And I think it is that backlash that they feel about wanting more ease and wanting more fluidity and a more organic approach. And so 
their way to claim that is to say that they don't have a routine. I think a third version of not loving the idea of routines would be people who want to be spontaneous and or impulsive. People who don't want to be told what to do when and when to do it. And the idea of a routine feels like the stifling of creativity or of freedom or of flexibility. And there's probably more, more types of objections to the concept or the idea of routines that I haven't covered. I would say that's sort of the majority of at least people that I've worked with. Perhaps one other category is people just don't feel like they routines work for them. It's not like a strong anti-routine mentality. It's just it doesn't work. So they don't want to try it. Now, maybe you love routines and you know how helpful they are. So <laughs> stick with me because I'm going to address that as well. I will say for myself, I've actually always gravitated toward routines. I've never felt any particular resistance to the idea of routine, but I think it's so important that we include everyone in this conversation. And as I suspect, the majority of people don't love the idea of a routine. So that's what we're going to try to talk about here. So I'm going to tell you that thinking about routines as something that are restrictive, that are um, stifling, stifling your flexibility, your creativity that are too rigid, that are going to help make you feel like a failure. I will say I, that's a mistake. It's a mistake to think about them that way. And I say that with all of the compassion and empathy in the world that I understand why you think that. But we don't have to think of them that way. And I'm going to offer you an alternative here, a way to shift the way you're thinking because I think it's going to help. And to do that, I'm going to take you back to my chaotic start to the year, those three weeks of unintentional time off where I was in survival mode and I lost access to all of my routines and rhythms. Because obviously at the end of those three weeks, I felt depleted, I felt exhausted, and a lot of that had to do with just the mental stress of an emergency and getting over the flu. But part of it was the absence of the routines that I've created in my life that are absolutely essential to helping me feel good, to health, to happiness, to purposeful productivity, to getting the things done that need to be done and not things that don't. And I really had a moment the last few days as I was craving those routines and craving the way that those routines help me to feel and help me to do that I realized and remembered just how important they are and how essential they are to getting us from where we want, where we are to where we want to go. So how do you feel? Where do you, how do you feel? How do you want to feel? And what's the gap in between? That gap is where routines go. Those routines are the bridge to where we want to go. So here's an analogy. Think about a big, expansive, muddy, marshy field, like a marshy, muddy soccer field. It's very relevant here in the Pacific Northwest. And you need to get to the other side. And you start walking and your shoes are just getting sucked down into the mud and it's mucky and it's slow and it's really arduous and really full of effort. And you kind of just aren't getting anywhere. And you're definitely not getting to where you want to go to the other side. And now imagine that in your bag, you have stepping stones that you can place down. And those stepping stones are going to keep you out of the mud and the muck and allow you to, with relatively little effort, step one step at a time to the other side. 
Now, here's the thing. The stepping stones are not a concrete path. They're fluid. They're organic. You can place them wherever you want. You can make the path windy. You can make it straight. You can make it into art. You can place them really close together and make them really small so that you can just take tiny steps or you can make them huge and take giant steps. You're the architect of your path in the muddy field. Okay, so the muddy field is our life and it gets muddier and muckier depending on how things are going. Sometimes it's dry and beautiful and nice, great. We we don't need all the support, but when it is survival or when we're barely out of survival and it is mucky and it is muddy and we're losing our shoes, they're getting sucked off into the mud. We need the stepping stones and routines are the stepping stones. Routines are the lifeline that allow us to be grounded and rooted in the things that, in the activities, in the behaviors, in the habits that get us from where we are to where we want to be. And so first of all, if you are a resistant routines person, you can call them something else. Like when people want to use the word rhythms, I'm like, okay, same thing. Literally the same thing. But if if you don't like a word, just use a different word. But either way, we want to change the way we think about routines to from like rigid or restrictive to flexible and fulfilling. If it feels too structured, I want you to think about it as organic. But the main idea here is as long as you know where you are and where you want to go, you know what your goals are, you know how you want to feel, then you can create routines that are supportive of that. So they are there for you, not the other way around. They fit into your life. You're not fitting into them. And when you create them, they're there for you. So you don't have to work so hard. So you don't have to use so much energy to get through a day. So you can manage your time and use it for the things that matter. And as a habits expert, here is something I need you to know. A routine is just a set of habits that are done in the same order most days. And those stacked habits that are actually routines can be supportive of your health and happiness or not, or somewhere in between. And so what we want is more stacks of habits in the form of routines that are supportive of your health and your happiness and your purposeful productivity. Because the truth is you have routines whether you like that idea or not, or whether you're intentional about what those routines are or not. If you get up in the morning and complete a set of tasks, habits, eating, drinking your coffee, brushing your teeth, that's a routine. So again, we need to divorce ourselves from this idea that a routine has to be Instagram-worthy because those th- those two things have absolutely nothing to do with each other. And I would argue, and I feel very strongly, that actually the, le- the less sexy, the less exciting, the less Instagram-worthy a routine is, the probably the more supportive of it, it actually is of what you want to do. But when you can release all those ideas about what it should be and you can embrace what it can be, for good in your life, things change. And as the storm has literally passed and the sun is shining today in my office and I am sitting upright and healthy again, I was able to get back into my life so easily and with very little effort because of the stepping stones, because of my routines. And I was so grateful for them sitting there waiting so that I could get right back into it and get back into the things that helped me to feel my best with 
again, very little effort. It wasn't work because it was already done. So don't underestimate the power of this shift in thinking when it comes to routines. That if if it feels all the negative ways that I described, what would happen if you started thinking about it differently? And what opportunities and doors would that open for you? And along with that, an invitation to call them whatever you want. You want to call it habit stacks? Call them habit stacks. Do you want to call it a rhythm? Call it a rhythm. Do you want to call them stepping stones? Call them stepping stones. If you have a better analogy or better word, use it. Okay, now once you've made that shift of thinking, or maybe you already have, then the next question is, where do I start? How do I create these routines, these stepping stones that are connected to how I want to feel that are connected to the essential tasks and habits and actions. And of course, I have a framework and I have steps, but I'm not going to overwhelm you with all of them here. However, I am happy to give you a few simple strategies to get you on the path. And you're in luck because this strategy is an extension of the organize your to-do list strategy that I gave you in episode three, I want to say. It was called How to Organize Your To-Do List. At this point, we don't have a huge archive of episodes, so it should be pretty easy to find. It's like within the last four. And in that episode, I invited you to create a one giant to-do list rather than segmenting all of your to-dos all over the place. And it's a worth a listen. I would encourage you to listen to that one if you haven't yet. The outcome, though, is that you have this potentially very long list. And I heard from you after that episode from some of you that it was sort of shocking and rather, I don't know if it was unsettling to see everything that you have to do in all all in one place. I would argue that's one of the core benefits of having a one primary to-do list. Of course, it helps you organize, categorize down the road and you can't categorize what you don't know you have. But also it's very, very helpful to really give yourself credit and to recognize how much work, how many tasks, how much you actually have to do in a day. It's one of the ways I like to help people combat this idea that I don't do anything and don't get anything done. So not true, but it has so many benefits. So we have this primary to-do list where everything is written down, okay? So if you didn't listen, go back, listen, come to me, You hear your is your giant list. And as I said, there's a lot of ways to organize your list. And one of the ways is to start looking at your to-dos and seeing which ones group together that would create a natural, organic, feel-good routine or rhythm or habit stack or whatever you want to call it. This is sort of like an art and a science, but my guess is if you continue the practice of your one giant list, it should actually start to come out at you to surface itself that there are like tasks that get done in a certain order on a reoccurring basis that go together. And my friend, those are already routines. (laughs) So there you go. You You already have them. But my guess is that we can probably improve some of them or if you don't love the word improve, I, it's it's tough. This is an interesting new endeavor for me. I have been doing habits and teaching on habits for many, many years. Time saving and time management is the next step for me. It makes so much sense after working with so many people, coaching, writing, all of the things. T- managing our time is what people 
need the most help with. Frankly, that's why I started this show. But I do find that the whole industry is laden with these words that are triggering for people. So optimizing and improving and it's very self-help like jargon that I don't love. But in the absence of a better way to talk about it, my guess is that you have emerging routines or existing routines that could be... um, packaged up and shined up and made more effective for you and we can inject more ease and like potentially a little bit of joy into them. But the very first step is knowing where they are, where they're existing within the jumble of the giant list. And the beauty of it is that they don't have to be so rigid and so time bound that they feel suffocating to you. And I like to think of them as micro routines because they're not these like hour or multi-hour long commitments. As I mentioned in my snacking episode, a couple, maybe two episodes back, I don't always have multiple hour time blocks for things. I do love to time block, but I don't always have that amount of time. So I like to think of these as micro routines just these little habit stacks that are contributing to the goals I have and how I want to feel. And so I'm going to give you like 10 examples in my own life, and then we'll go back to how you might start to look for them on your list. We definitely have some concurrent family micro getting ready routines in the morning, which would involve, for me, it is um, getting up and... My child now gets herself with her own alarm up. So parents with younger children, there's hope for your future. I am not woken up early by her. She gets up on her own. Then I get up um, and Andrew gets up. So she gets up, Andrew makes her breakfast and he makes the coffee and he makes himself breakfast. I come down and I make Elle's lunch. I drink an entire mason jar of water and then I drink my coffee And then I sit on the couch while Elle eats her breakfast and I check in on like Slack and work emails. Yes, I do screen time right away after I get out of bed and I make sure that there's nothing that really needs my attention. Then um, I'll go upstairs and get ready while she's getting ready because she likes to have somebody nearby. She can do it herself. She likes to have somebody nearby. And then I just kind of stay in the vicinity until she gets out the door. So right now in this stage of our family's life is our morning, getting ready morning routine. And there's three of us, so we each have our own and they cross paths and they are in in accordance with each other, like they consider each other, but they're all going to accomplish what we individually need. So that's a stepping stone for me in my day. And it allows me to get the basic things that I need done, like the literal essential basics, which is for me, water, coffee, checking in to make sure that my team is um, uh, all on the East Coast or Central time. So it's an essential for me that I check in and make sure that they're not waiting on something. And then uh, there's also the, the lunch packing part. And then there's getting ready So if we were going to break that routine down into component habits or the actual habits that are involved, it depends how granular you want to get or specific. There's at least 12, if not 20 habits within that micro routine. 
And that one is is time bound. It starts when we get up and then it stops when Elle leaves the house. And then I start a new a, another, the next micro routine, which has to do with typically some kind of movement or exercise or working out. And it's consistent, but I'll tell you what, it only we only do that weekdays. So five out of seven, or if we don't have a school for that week for some reason, which seems to be every week, like this week, she only has four days, then it's going to be four out of seven. So I wanted to bring that up too. We will certainly be talking about consistency and time management, but consistency with this particular routine is the days that we have school. So it's four out of seven means that we did it consistently. I'll also mention that that, that these routines come about through trial and error, or I like to say listening to your life. And then when we have a transition, then I'll do a transition week, which I will do an episode on at some point. But we don't just hit the ground on the first day of school and the first day back to work and say, this is what the routine is. It is always um, organically seeing like what needs to happen here so that we can be successful. What needs to be happening for myself and for my spouse and for my kid? And what do they need to do so that I'm also successful? It's a group team effort. This is not just me doing everybody's work for them all of the time. But within a few weeks of the transition back to school in the fall, this is the routine that we found and, and it's the one that we stick to. And it's the one that allows us to be successful for the rest of the day. So because we have these, this, it's one micro routine. Honestly, it's like several micro routines. If you even break it down further to like lunch packing or um, getting dressed and getting ready and all of those things. Uh, But the point is, because it's habitual, because we do it without having to think about it, it adds that ease, it adds that fluidity. We know that by the time Elle leaves, she has her lunch packed, she has eaten, and she is dressed. So she's successful for the day. I mean, we cannot control what happens at middle school, but at least we've got the the basics done. I know that I have my water and my coffee and I'm dressed. Andrew has his stuff, whatever he needs. And that is why when those things were gone, when they were stripped away as the flu and the storm came through, I was really missing feeling that loss of those grounding routines that help us to not just survive, but thrive. And so I said I would give you 10. I gave you one that had probably 10 in it. I will be happy to talk more about all of my micro routines, but that's just one example that has several in it and obviously quite a few habits. And I hope that that helps you think about the fact that you probably, like I said, you, whether you like routines or not, you probably have a morning routine. It just might not look like Instagram. And so you haven't been counting it as such. But also a reminder that this routine was created intentionally to connect to how I want to feel in my day, how our family needs to feel in their day. It wasn't arbitrary. Um, it was intentional. And it's very, very, it's simple. It's the essentials. It's nothing fancy or flashy. So back to your primary list, all of your to-dos. Why don't you start thinking about how these to-dos naturally group themselves into potentially micro-routines, whether that looks like packing lunches or things that you need to get done like emails or 
recording a podcast episode, not relevant to most of you. I'm just looking at my list, of course, right now in front of me. And I want you to think about how those naturally group together and then how they might fit into your day on a consistent basis. And when I say consistent, I don't mean every single day. I mean on the days that it's relevant. And yes, I teach and coach more steps than just this, but honestly, this is enough. Taking your all of the things that you need to do and then starting to look at how these routines naturally emerge. And then there is the process of refinement and the process of asking what works and what doesn't and the process of looking at the 80-20 and like so many fun things that we get to talk about. But for now, this is enough. And if if anything, it's rethinking how you think about routines and then it's perhaps giving yourself credit for all of the micro routines that you already have that are working. So honestly, I never thought I would be here promoting and singing the praises of routines, but I do think we need a rebrand on the whole concept. And if you need to hear it again from a health and happiness habits expert, someone who has studied the science for 20 years and who is now on this new path to helping people with time management and time saving so that we can live a life that feels good and so that we can do the things that are most essential. I'll tell you, routines are a key element. They really are. And they can be done in a way that is supportive of you, that is flexible, that is even joyful. Just takes a little bit of shifts in thinking and probably some some small steps around organizing your to-do list and thinking about how those routines might work and where they might go. Well, who knew I had so much to say on this topic? I actually did know that I had a lot to say and I, I have more, but this is plenty for now. For more calm in the everyday chaos and tips and strategies for organizing your whole life, you can hit subscribe on whatever app you're listening on. And an invitation if you're listening and a humble ask If you are enjoying the show, please leave a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on, Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, any other app that allows for a rating and a review, five stars if you enjoy the show. This is a new endeavor. We are starting from essentially scratch and your reviews mean so, so much here right at the beginning. And as I said before, the Feel Good Effect Um, Your reviews help keep the show here. And uh, if you listened and never left a review, here's your chance to maybe pay it forward a little bit with a review. Let us know what you like and help somebody else decide if they want to listen. You can connect with me at Whole Life Organized on Instagram. And I want to remind you, you're not doing it wrong and you've got time 